Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. No alternative universe today. Back to life. Back to reality. It is Tuesday, March 31st. I am Frank Sample, joined by Adam Azer, Chris Towers, and the returning Scott White. Scott, how was your weekend, man? How was everything? It was good. It was good. It took a little bit of a, a longer weekend. Did you go uh, anywhere fun? Kind of recharge my batteries. No, I did not go anywhere. Um, good. No, my, my <laughs> wife and kids threw a little party for me because it was you know, right around my birthday oh, here. So that was happy nice. birthday. Was, thank you. It was today it your was, birthday, Scott? Today, today is the actual day. Yes. What? Oh my God! Um, Happy birthday, dude! Breaking news! You, Thank you. Um, my wife threw an office-themed birthday party. <laughs> it's like the one Dwight threw. She hung the banner on the wall. It is your birthday period, <laughs> with the like barely expanded balloons hanging from the ceiling. That's and I think great. my five-year-old was just so confused. Like, mommy does not know how to decorate. <laughs> That's very clever. I love that. I love that episode. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Lots of great episodes of The Office. Uh, one of my favorites as well. Happy to hear that you're doing well. Happy birthday to Scott here. And you have to be doing better than Adam Azer because we have to start the show off with Adam Azer's flub yesterday oh, when yeah. talking about Die Hard. So we got this email uh, not too long ago, actually. And this one came from Brian in Glen Ellen, Illinois. And he said, hey, Adam, sorry this isn't baseball related, but too funny to brush past. On yesterday's show, at the end... You guys got into it seemingly every other day. Uh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not conversation? A slip up that I thought was hilarious was when Adam, referencing the police officer, called him Carl Weathers. The actor <laughs> is named Reginald Vell Johnson, who is also famous for playing the father, also a cop, on Family Matters. What's funny about this is that his name on the show is Carl Winslow. I just love that your, your instinct was to address him as the character name and not the actor name. So, Adam, you're, you're a little all over the place there. Carl Weathers, the actor who played Apollo Creed in right. Rocky and famously Chubbs in Happy Gilmore. Reginald Vell Johnson, Sergeant Al Powell in Die Hard. Yeah. Carl Winslow in Family Matters. I meant to call him Carl Winslow. And I, I, meant, I meant to reference his character in Family Matters, which was also a cop. So I said <laughs> Carl Weathers. I meant to say Carl Winslow. And I was quite embarrassed. And actually, our boss, EK, called me out on it this morning. And I, I said, oh, crap. Then we got the email. And I was like, before this becomes a scandal, and before we lose the bracket challenge, you know, the, the Fantasy Baseball Podcast bracket challenge, I better clarify that I meant to say Carl Winslow. So thank you for letting <laughs> me do that, Frank. Has Reginald Val Johnson ever not played a cop? That's I'm like, sure he has. Yeah, I think he probably has more than two roles. So typecast. <laughs> in, in Ghostbusters, he was a jail guard, so that's pretty <laughs> close to a cop as it well. Doesn't, right. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't speak well of American pop culture's view of police in the uh, mid to late '80s and early '90s that he was one of our most high-profile policemen. Yeah, you know, he's not exactly you know the most in shape. Oh, guy. right. Not right. exactly someone you'd. Uh, You'd want chasing down a bad guy. He's very competent. Don't get me wrong. No, you're right, though. I, <laughs> I, he's not right. I agree. And actually, he was incredibly incompetent at the beginning of Die Hard until somebody threw a body on his car. So, and he was apparently in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So, geez, he made a living out of this. All right. I'm sorry, Frank. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. Uh, I know we before the show, Frank, we couldn't stop talking about our all-decade team. So, I'm pretty fired up. Yeah, we've got the all-decade team. And I feel like this is something we're going to do probably ever every Tuesday until whenever baseball is announced, we'll kind of do some kind of random draft, some kind of we'll all come up with a team of something. So today we'll be doing the all decade team from the 2010s. Last week, I know you guys did the fictional players draft. 
Uh, we'll have to kind of huddle up and figure out what we want to do for next week. But yes, today we'll be doing the all-decade team for the 2010s. Uh, it's also Team Name Tuesday, so we'll get into that a little bit later on. Some of your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I wanted to do a deep dive of Jose Arquiti. I'm actually going to save that for tomorrow because uh, yesterday Adam mentioned that you guys have never really kind of talked extensively about Jose Arquiti. So I think it would be a good time to kind of jump in on that. But I'll save that for tomorrow when we have a little bit more time to do so. Just did want to mention some news and notes quickly here at the top of the show. Sir Anthony Dominguez needs Tommy John surgery. I don't know that that affects things all that much. Did we ever get confirmation that Hector Neris was the closer of the Philadelphia Phillies? Or was this kind of just like by deduction, there's nobody else there? I think it's assumed. Yeah, I don't remember seeing anything official. Uh, Gabe Kapler was famously unofficial about that. Joe Girardi, I think, will be less so. Yeah, and I think that makes sense because as long as Joe Girardi was with the Yankees, he pretty much, for the most part, had a set closer. The other news item, not really fantasy-related, it's just what is going on with the Boston Red Sox. Like They signed Colin McHugh as soon as Chris Sale was diagnosed with like his elbow pain. And Colin McHugh is still not throwing the ball. Uh, and last but not least, shout out to AJ Reed, who has decided to retire earlier this month. So uh, the long career of AJ Reed <laughs> is now over, unfortunately. I do remember yeah. AJ Reed, man. Like we all thought, or at least I did, he was yeah. kind of regarded as one of those top prospects. The Astros had a ton of those guys. Him, John Singleton did not work out as well, but AJ Reed yeah. decided to a- hang him up, Scott. AJ Reed was looking ridiculously productive. I, I remember. For a while, it was A.J. Reed and J.D. Davis, and I kept mixing them up because they both had initials as first names and their minor league numbers were good. A.J. Reed's were better. Um, and so it's interesting how those careers have played out. A.J. Reed kind of zoomed up faster and then fizzled, and J.D. Davis has taken a slower path, but now looks like he may be on the verge of becoming a, uh, an, a, a big impact player in fantasy. Yeah, again, that is uh, J.D. Davis now with the New York Mets. A.J. Reed decides to hang them up. All right, I want to jump into the 2010s all-decade team. I want to give us enough time to kind of hash this out because based on the conversation we had before the show even started, I have a feeling that we are going to get into a lot of debate here over every position, where players are eligible, uh, who has who, <laughs> where. So <laughs> We're is... debating process a lot. Yeah. This is always fun. That that always that is always good podcast content when you can't decide the rules of the exercise you're doing. <laughs> Let's start things off at the catcher. I mean, I think this one's pretty self-explanatory uh, in terms of figuring out who's eligible here at the position. But uh, Adam, why don't you get us started with who your who your catcher is for the 2010s decade here on our old decade team? This was one of the easy ones. It's got to be Buster Posey, right? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any disagreement on that one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, distant first in OPS, OPS plus, batting average. Now, can I, can I, all right, so let's talk a little bit about the process here because we did this for yeah. fantasy football in January and it was an incredibly fun exercise, but there was a specific tool that I was able to use in fantasy football that I was not able to use in fantasy baseball. I don't know if it exists. So if any of the listeners know of this tool, please. Let me know. But in fantasy football, I can use a website that goes back in time and tells you who finished where at each position every year. Fantasy baseball, the best option you have there is to use your, you know, like a CBS league. But we only use the current player pool. So retired players disappear from the pool. So you wouldn't be able to compare, um, you know, catcher's not a great example, but... uh, Gosh, who are some of the... Like David Ortiz. David Ortiz, yes, exactly. David Ortiz, right. You would have a tough time comparing. Um, Adrian Beltre, that was one of the toughest ones. That was one. Comparing him to Arenado was very, very difficult. So that made this a bigger challenge. We also decided to go, what, catcher for one position, one of each position, three outfielders, five starters, two relievers. Yeah, Yeah, Um, like the head-to-head points lineup. So maybe we should talk about, like, our our process here because I started just by looking at OPS as a baseline who was, who finishes, who finished the top each position at OPS um, starting in 2010, going through 2019. Then I would start looking at fantasy production because steals would factor in and things like that. But uh, Posey was easy. I I, I barely bothered looking at catcher, but for the other positions it was tougher, but I don't know. You guys can kind of talk about how you did this. 
So there are obviously a need for tiebreakers here because players who, especially at first base, I mean, I feel like you could make a whole team of first basemen while shortstop was on the opposite end for me. It's difficult to find a standout shortstop, which shows how much things have changed. And you you forget how long a decade is because now we think of shortstop as one of the deepest positions. First base may be a little bit shallower than most. Uh, But, you know, looking back at the past 10 years, I found the opposite to be true. And the biggest tiebreaker for me, I took a lot of things into account. I took overall production during this time. Um, I looked closely at OPS, OPS plus, especially since it kind of, you know, there, there've been swings in, in what expected production looks like over the past decade factored in stolen bases, of course. Uh, but there was, it's kind of like with hall of fame voting for me, there was this, this, uh, this need to balance both the, the extent of the production over that period of time and how high the peaks were over that period of time. So what ended up being the tiebreaker for me, if I was having a hard time deciding between a player who just put up big totals over that period versus the peaks was I I sided with the peaks. I sided with the player who most often provided first round caliber production. And that's, that's who I slotted ahead. Same. Yeah, so I would I started things off just looking at hits, and then I would look at OPS, and I would also look at WAR. I didn't know if we were technically doing this from like a real life baseball perspective, a fantasy baseball perspective, but uh, I think if you're looking at WAR as well, I think Yadier Molina is somewhat in the conversation. I mean, he's second in WAR over the. I past. Frank, do you do you host the do you host real life baseball today or fantasy <laughs> baseball today? Come on, Frank. <laughs> Let's the, go the, ones who were, the ones who I considered alongside Posey were Joe Maurer and, and Brian McCann. Brian McCann actually led all catchers in home runs during this time. I will point out that both Buster Posey and Yadier Molina had eight top 10 finishes in head-to-head points league leagues over the past decade. So Yadier yeah. Molina, still pretty consistent no, I, while yeah, you know, yeah, come on not now. one of the best. But he was just, he, he, he was Posey. consistent, but he was never... <laughs> He might have finished as the number one catcher at some point. I'm actually not sure. Uh, But he was clearly never the best catcher in fantasy. So I I think that, well, we'll my shortstop choice will be controversial. (laughs) And I'm not. That was tough. That was the toughest one. Shortstop, it was really interesting, actually, but we'll we'll, we'll get there. Uh, but no, Posey is the obvious choice at catcher. He's the only one whose career basically covered the entire decade, which also helped. Maurer retired uh, a year early or a year before the decade ended. Um, is, and he moved off catcher. This is an too. amazing stat for Posey from the entire decade. You know what his batting average was? Three. His batting ten. average was three oh. Two, which was I, I think put him among the top fifteen hitters. Seven. Um, seventh among all yeah. players in yeah, batting average. as a catcher. Yeah, yeah that's but, incredible. But another thing that is that this is not just a cumulative who did the best for ten years. Like for for example, for fantasy football, I had Arian Foster as one of my running backs, even though it was only like four years at the beginning of the decade where he was, you know, anything, but he was he was ahead of his time. He was, he wasn't Ladanian Tomlinson from the mid mid aughts. Uh, are we calling it that? Like two like two thousand four or five, whatever it was. But Arian yeah. Foster didn't do it for seven years or anything like that. But he was amazing. You know, number one caliber player for three sure. years or some of that. So you know, those types sure. of things factor in as well. I, I don't know that. I think I don't think there was anybody on my teams that were just a few years. But it's not necessarily. Did you do it for a full decade like Posey? But it's Posey, yeah. catcher. Yeah, yeah Posey combines the longevity and the the peak. Yeah, yeah, I think it's subjective too, right? So you know, you might ask Chris, and Chris might say that you know, all right, he chose someone that was really great for a four or five year span. Whereas I think for for the most part, for me, I was kind of looking at longevity, like who was consistently great throughout the process. But I do agree, Buster Posey is the catcher that I have written down here as well. Uh, and again, we're using the head-to-head points roster construction. So one catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, three outfielders, a DH slash utility, five starting pitchers, and two closers. Let's move on to first base. And I'll throw this one to you, Chris, to get us started here, because I mentioned that I used hits 
as a barometer for measuring catchers. And I know, yep, yeah, Chris has dropped his head. And I know that that's something you probably will not be doing across <laughs> the board here, uh, specifically for your first baseman. Well, so I, my, my strategy was I basically just went to baseball reference and I just kind of pulled a list of the top 200 and wins above replacement for the decade, uh, which, you know, covers pretty much anyone we'd want to talk about, you know, guys who ended earlier there, Chris Bryant, who only had five years in the decade is there. So, you know, I think that's a pretty good uh, way to start. And, you know, then I started sorting, you know, by home runs and, and by RBI and just kind of looking at who was among the leaders there. And and for me, the, why did you decide to go war as opposed to OPS plus? I feel like you're usually an OPS plus guy for these discussions. That, it was, it, it was just cause I wanted to, um, like that's in my list, but I, yeah. I wanted to, um, you know, get a, a list to start from. Okay. And so okay. I figured just a cumulative valuation was the best way to go about that. I got it. Because OPS and, is more of an average. Yeah. So a guy yeah. who had two seasons with a really high OPS plus could make the list, but he wouldn't really be in discussion. He might himself. not have the yeah, bats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, then I start looking at, you know, home runs. And when you look at home runs for first base, for guys who were primary first basemen, Edwin Encarnacion's at the top. Miguel Cabrera's number eight. Uh, Chris Davis, Paul Goldschmidt. So, you know, that's a pretty good place to start. Then you start by RBI, very similar list. The one place that really sets Paul Goldschmidt apart, and he's my pick for first base, is, well, batting average, first of all. But that's also, not who I thought bases. you were going to pick. That's not who I thought I you were going to pick. I thought this was Votto slam dunk. No, yeah. this is Biggie. No, Votto. <laughs> Votto was Votto wasn't ever really in the conversation for me. I, I thought uh, it was because Votto I'm, for Chris. Oh, to be yeah, specific. yeah, yeah. Votto yeah, yeah that's what I picks. thought as well. I thought yeah. Votto for Chris. Yeah. I am. I, I'm looking at this more from a Roto perspective. Um, okay. and so he just he was always very good, but he was rarely like the number one first baseman. Where Paul Goldschmidt, you know, was a contender for the number one overall pick. Yeah, for a few years. Yeah. And yeah. he, you know, was productive pretty much the entire decade, stole 127 bases in the 2010s, hit 292 uh, as, you know, top 20 overall and home runs, runs and RBI. So I, I, I actually think that was a pretty easy one. That was one of the no. first ones I filled in on. Okay. Lineup. No, no, I, 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 I went it was with hard. Miggy. I went with Miggy. Me it too. was a very close call between Miggy and Votto because they're Stats like OPS and batting average and OPS plus were very close during that stretch. Miggy had more home runs. Um, Goldschmidt was very much in the discussion, too. I thought I, there were a lot of players to consider there. Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo, Edwin Encarnacion. But those three were the ones who stood out the most. Votto, uh, Miggy, and Goldschmidt. I, I ended up pushed, putting Goldschmidt aside because even though the, he's the only base dealer of the, of the group, he... Got off to a late start compared to the others. He didn't get a full decade's worth. Um, I ended up going with Cabrera over Votto because I feel like that five years or six year stretch really at the start of the decade. I mean, he had a triple crown in there. He had four batting titles. Like he was yeah. just um, it, it, like the player who for several years in a row was the clear number one pick in fantasy. And then Trout came along and there was some debate between those two. But Cabrera was just was Mr. Fantasy there for a good part of the decade. Right. That's that's why I went with him. I, the way I saw it was like the first half of the decade. It was all it was Miggy. And then the second half was Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt had a four year stretch where he finished number one or number two at first base. And in those four years, Miguel Cabrera only had one great season. That was 2016. He also was great in 2015, but he played 119 games. And then he's obviously tailed off. Uh, I, I went with Cabrera. I did not think it was easy. I thought it was between Cabrera and Goldschmidt. Votto, not, I didn't even consider because of what Chris said. Like he, Yes, he had a great decade, but he was never considered as high-end as Cabrera or Votto, Goldschmidt. Votto might be the best hitter of the decade. Just in terms of the, the value that he added as a hitter alone. Although, as the entire populace of San Diego has been yelling at me uh, on Twitter, walks apparently aren't a part of hitting. 
Well, I would think of it as more like offensive player as opposed to hitter, because hitter, I think of like the hit tool specifically, the the ability to impact the ball with your bat. Miggy, baby, Miggy. But okay, so so it's two Miggies, one Goldschmidt and Frank. Yeah, I have Miguel Cabrera as well. I mean, throughout this time, first in hits at the position, uh, third and in home runs. Uh, he was second in war as well. You mentioned the Triple Crown uh, throughout that year, 2012, 330 batting average, 44 home runs, 139 RBI. I, I thought Joey Votto was a very close second. I mean, he had eight top 10 finishes throughout this decade in head-to-head points leagues. So very consistent. Paul Goldschmidt up there for me as well. 127 stolen bases, as Chris mentioned. And, and those three guys were top three in weighted runs created plus uh, by... Uh, a decent margin as well. So I, I thought it was between Vado, Miggy, and Paul Goldschmidt. And I w- wound up going with Miguel Cabrera. Moving on to, se- to second base, I think this one really comes down to, for me, it was it was a two-player race. Yep. Uh, I'll, th- yep. I'll throw it over to you, Scott. I mean, who did you wind up choosing between, I assume we have the same two players in mind? Yes, the, the players are Robinson Cano and Jose Altuve. And this was a Razor thin margin as well. One of the factors I considered while doing this entire exercise, at, at least for hitters, and I, I think it's pretty apparent now um, that the main stat I considered was OPS plus, since again that normalizes offensive production as, as kind of the league-wide expectations were changing. Is how many seasons over a certain OPS plus threshold a player had, and Cano actually beat. Altuve in that regard uh just if we're talking pure what he did with the bat purely what he did with the bat well that's I would go Cano but right but the stolen base gap is so big and it's close enough with the bat that I was willing to go Altuve instead and and what's interesting about that is for the first three years of his career Career well, the two the first two full years of his career, which is 2012 2013, so we're already part of the way into the decade now. Altuve uh, wasn't really much with the bat at all. I mean, the batting average was on the high in the high 200s, it wasn't bad, but he wasn't providing much power. But he had a 33 steel, steel season there and a 35 steel season there, and then he won the batting title the very next year, 2014, 341 batting average with 56 steals. And then the power came along the next year, 15 home runs. And uh, then obviously he became the perennial MVP candidate. We know him to be now. So yeah, it was, it was kind of a slow start for Altuve, but there was enough going on in the early years that I think, uh, I think uh, then the late years set him apart from Cano. Scott, for the children listening at home, you are promoting a cheater. In Jose Altuve. Hey, Cano, Cano also, <laughs> well, I, though. Cano is too, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right, actually. I also went with Altuve. I, if you just go look at CBS uh, the last 10 years, they each have three number one finishes. But again, you are going back in time and not counting retired players. So I don't know how legit that is, particularly yeah. for well, Cano. Well, I mean, just think about how often we were drafting them in the first round. Cano was a perennial first rounder oh, for yeah, a long yeah. time there. And then Altuve has been more recent. But it is yeah. it is fun to compare how many times they've actually been number one at their sure. position. I think it's either, I think either Altuve has more or it's tied, but it's close. Um, yeah, it was, it was a tough, you know, you know what actually, so like first base was for us between two to three players. Second base was between two players. Shortstop's tough. I thought, I originally thought third base was tough. Then I settled on one, but D like the utility spot was really hard because like, do you just completely leave Robinson Cano off your all decade team? Do you put Paul Goldschmidt or Robinson Cano? Uh If you have, if you have Miguel Cabrera and Jose Altuve at first and second base, who the hell's your utility going to be? And then what about like, we'll get to third base and shortstop. So I thought that was really tough, but I also went with Altuve, Chris, Frank, sorry, go ahead. Chris, would you have it's Altuve across the board, right? Oh, no, I have Robinson Cano, actually. Oh, interesting. Homer. Yeah, so Robinson Cano, definite homer here. <laughs> first in hits throughout this span, uh, 1,695 hits, first in home runs. So you're talking about out-of-position stats that you're getting there if you're playing Roto. 237 home runs for Robinson Cano. He had more top 10 finishes in head-to-head points leagues throughout this span than Jose Altuve. So he had eight top 10 finishes. I, I think it's very close. And, yep. you know, if you're just weighing it from like a roto perspective and the value of stolen bases, I mean, I don't think there's a wrong answer. But for me, I actually I went with Robinson Cano. I, I came close to what what 
What finally convinced me as I was vacillating back and forth as I just looked at the black ink on their baseball reference pages, there's zero black ink on Robinson Cano's black ink, of course, referring to how often he led his league in the category. And there's a bunch for Altuve batting average three times, hits four times, stolen bases twice. And uh, OK, Altuve is the bigger standout there. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, second overall in the decade in batting average fourth and stolen bases that that's really hard to overcome third base to me was pretty tough I mean I, I think that there are a few names that are just at the top of the list and then you know I'll just kind of throw the name out there I don't know if anyone actually considered him but Evan Longoria I mean the first part mm-hmm. of the decade really I mean he was kind of the juggernaut at the position here but I kind of narrowed it down to four players for me personally I had it Adrian Beltre Josh Donaldson Nolan Arenado and Evan Longoria, and I settled on Nolan Arenado uh, just because what he's done specifically the past five seasons. He's been a top mm-hmm. five third baseman in fantasy each of the past five seasons. He has two number one finishes uh, throughout this decade, 1,160 hits, 227 home runs. That's tied for second at the position. I uh, got a little bit of a later start into the decade than some of these other names, like Evan Longoria has more longevity. But Nolan Arenado, to me, what he's consistently done for like the past five, six years specifically, he's he's the the third baseman for me in the decade. It was two of those guys for me. I didn't consider Longoria or Donaldson. I, I, I mean, I did at first, but it really was Beltre or Arenado. This, to me, yeah. was the most frustrating one because I couldn't go back and see where Beltre had finished to compare it to where Arenado had finished. So I ended up settling on Arenado as well. But I will say that for three straight years, Adrian Beltre was was top three at the position in OPS with a minimum of no four straight years. No, 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 five straight. Sorry, five straight years. So yeah, this 2010 to 2014, Beltre was top three among third basemen in OPS with a minimum of 200 plate appearances, which isn't much, but he always had more than that. Uh, so again, it was like first half of the decade was Beltre. Yeah, Longoria was really good too. Second half was Arenado. Beltre didn't tail off as much as Longoria did. I went with Arenado. Um, he's finished number one twice, I believe. Maybe maybe once, but top two at least two or three times. But uh, yeah, it was tough because I really wanted to measure um, where Beltre finished, and I couldn't do that. This was a razor-thin margin for me, too, because you're comparing nine years for Beltre versus seven mm-hmm. for Arenado. And of those seven for Arenado, of course, we're really just talking about five, where he's been the guy we know he, him as now. Um, and, and Beltre actually had the higher OPS plus between the two during the decade. He had the higher batting average by 15 or by 12 points, equal number of home runs. And really what it came down to for me is I was comparing the RBI and, and run totals. I mean, Beltre won in both. Like I said, he got more playing time, but when you, you look at the annual in, in those categories, the annual production and, uh, Arenado's led the majors in RBI twice. And since he, since he uh, became the guy we know him as today, consistently over 100 runs scored, too. Only once did Beltre even top 90 runs during the decade. So it was just... And, and then you think about how consistently Arenado's been a first-round pick, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather hype the guy who has the bigger peak, which in this case is Arenado. Chris, for you, was, it, so, was it between Arenado and Adrian Beltre as well? Yeah, and, and you guys all pick Nolan Arenado? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to differ again. Uh, and, and part of the way I look at it is Nolan Arenado unquestionably had the higher peak. Uh, I think Adrian Beltre was the better baseball player, but in terms of fantasy value, there's no question Nolan Arenado's peak was better. But Nolan Arenado was only a must start fantasy option for seven, six of the. Uh, 10 years of the decade. His first season, he had a 706 OPS. He was not really fantasy relevant. There was maybe only one year this decade. Well, two, I guess, 2019, he wasn't a must-start player. But there was basically one year that he played when he wasn't a must-start option, and it was his last year. And even then, he was still pretty good. 15 homers, 65 RBI, 273 batting average in 119 games. Like, he would have gotten to about 25 homers and 85 RBI if he played the full season. So I just, the consistency for me, especially because the peak was extremely high for Adrian Beltre, uh, puts him over the top. 
Yeah, you had a four-year stretch for Beltre from 2010 to 2013 with 28 or more home runs. He also had the 32 homer season in 2016, and he was far and away had the highest batting average of third baseman throughout this decade with a 307. So I do think it was very close, but I wound up with going Nolan Arenado, and it sounds like everyone else did outside of Chris. Chris yeah. wound up going with Adrian Beltre, and honestly, I can't blame you for it, Chris. Adrian Beltre is also like one of my... I don't know, six favorite baseball players of all time. He's such a delightful weirdo. And so anytime I can give him shine, I love that. It's it's amazing the late career he had because this decade was all in his 30s. I mean, yeah. a, a lot of players are just done at the age we're talking about Beltre having this uh, incredible stretch. It's it's just, it's you know, he's going to the Hall of Fame, of course. He's in no doubt about it, first ballot if, Hall of Fame. If he hadn't wasted... Five years of his prime, age 26 through 30, in a very difficult place to hit in Seattle, like even worse than it is today. It's it's just it's it's kind of mind boggling to think about what his numbers would be, because, of course, the best season of his career came immediately before he signed that contract and joined the Mariners. Forty eight home runs, three thirty four batting average with the Dodgers. So, I mean, we could be talking about him as an all time great if he hadn't if he hadn't signed with Seattle at that particular point in time. Yeah, and definitely a fun-loving guy. You're right about that, Chris. I mean, the whole dropping down to a knee, hitting home runs, don't touch my head, yelling at Elvis Andrews, like, that provided a lot Great. of really fun moments. Great, no, that provided, yeah, Chris, that provided a lot of fantasy production. That's totally, totally what we should be voting on right oh, now. Oh, no, the four years where you couldn't even use Nolan Arenado really provided a lot of value, <laughs> Adam. <laughs> All right, let's move on to shortstop where, again, this is one of the tougher positions because do you weigh someone like Troy Tulowitzki who throughout the decade had some really big peak years? We were kind of always waiting for him to stay healthy and be a little bit more consistent. Or do you kind of value Francisco Lindor's production that he's put together over the past couple of seasons specifically where he's become a you know consistent first round pick? Or do you go completely off the board? which is what why I wound up doing. Uh, Adam Azer, what'd you do at shortstop? I don't think anyone's going to agree with this. I went with <laughs> Elvis Andrews. Yes! Oh! yes! Really? Oh, no! That's exactly who I have, All right. Adam. I Let's knew go, we were going to have the same one. Let's go, Frank. Yeah, look, he was better than Manny Machado in 2013. He was better than Machado in 2014. He was better than Machado in 2017. Machado was better in 15, 16, and 18. Neither was very good in 2019, but go to the beginning of the decade, Elvis Andrews stole 30-plus bases in 2010 and 2011. He was one of the best fantasy shortstops in 2012, so he was good before Machado came on the scene, and in six years of Machado, not counting 2019, where Machado was better than Andrews, but he wasn't really that much of a factor. I mean, he was whatever. They were they they split. They alternated. Three years, Andrews was better. Three years, Machado was better. So unless I'm forgetting someone, and originally I think I did sort of forget Tulowitzki, um, and again, that's another one. I can't really measure up where he finished. I took this from a rotor perspective and I went with Elvis Andrews. I have the uh, same one. Oh, really? <laughs> I so three people, out of four picked Elvis Andrews, a guy people, who was never considered a fantasy stud. Disagree. That's sad. Disagree with I don't that. know if he that's was. true. Oh, I, I, I've been doing this for the whole decade, guys. It's, so have I. I, I could promise you. Except for that 20, coming off 2017, that year he hit 20 homers randomly. Nobody was thinking of Elvis Andrews as a an early round type. I mean, that he is sort of 42 true. 42 bases in but... 2013. He stole 37 in 2011. He scored 90 plus runs both years. Yeah. I mean, it's a I'm good point. Bases Scott. weren't as scarce back then. Uh, uh, Scott and... makes a good point. Um, what's so? Who'd you go with? I went Troy Tulowitzki, okay. who for the uh, first half of the decade was consistently a first round pick. He had. Um, yeah, pretty much all the the best numbers of any shortstop during that decade. 293 with an 868 OPS for the decade is OPS plus. 123 overall, which I think led shortstops. And then his peak years, he had four years over 130. He had one year of 170, which is just outrageous. Um, but it is outrageous. I got, I got to pick a bone. Okay. <laughs> the guy who refuses to draft Giancarlo Stanton in 2020... <laughs> The guy who has Giancarlo Stanton as a bust is going yeah. with Troy Tulowitzki, who played more than yeah. 130 games 
twice. That's a great in the point. entire decade. And it's I loved over. Troy Tulowitzki back then, but you know what? Position scarcity was a real thing. So are back, yeah, in, because back in the years, Troy Tulowitzki was good, and Troy Tulowitzki was. It was really Troy Tulowitzki and Hanley Ramirez, who I'm surprised hasn't been brought up yet, probably because yeah. he wasn't at shortstop for the whole decade. But uh, it was really those two and everybody else at shortstop back in those days. But Tulo, but you're talking about ADP, I think. Tulo always got hurt. No. He always yeah. got he, hurt. He did. He did. But, I mean, he was still awesome when he didn't get hurt. But, like, he, did, he, was, but he didn't play enough. He was an impact player, yeah. without a doubt, in like, fantasy. Uh, and part uh, of the frustration the, was he got hurt. But, yeah, he the, was huge. The reason shortstop was so scarce is because Troy Tulowitzki never played. <laughs> I mean, 47 games okay, in 2012. That's, that's a good joke, but it's obviously not the truth. I don't know how much you can count 2012 and 2014. He played 47 games in 2012 and 91 games in 2014. 2014. So but now you're talking about three years. games of like best player in baseball production. Yeah, but I'd rather have a full season of Elvis Andrews. I wouldn't. Not at all. Yeah, uh, the games played by Tulo from 2010 on, 122, 143, 47, 126, 91, 128, 131, 66, didn't play in 2018. No one cares about 2019 when he played five games with the Yankees. But yeah, I mean, there are a lot of holes there. It came down to those two for me. It came down to Tulo and Elvis Andrews. But, you know, Elvis Andrews for me is kind of like that Hall of Famer that gets in just based on accumulative stats. It's like 269 stolen bases by far. Tyler. The most at shortstop throughout this time. 810 runs scored. By far the most run scored throughout this time as well. So for well, me, well, I me, mean, that's let why. Let me put this in perspective. If you, if you're like me and not willing to willing to consider Andrews because he's just not a high end enough player, uh, the other shortstops I was considering were Manny Machado, who yeah. Adam brought up, Francisco Lindor, who you brought up, Frank and Trevor Story. Like so, we're talking about really recent players. Or in Machado's case, I guess he's not so recent, but it was it was a slow start and has been kind of rough here in the last couple of years. Um, yeah. So you're not talking about players whose production has spanned the decade really for any of these, I guess, except for Elvis Andrews, which is why you guys are giving him the nod. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to, I want to point out a dark horse uh, who I actually, it, it sounds really weird, but I think this kind of illustrates the, the place we're at with shortstop in, in the 2010s, which it's, the deepest position now. Another guy I I considered who I maybe you guys didn't even think about was Ian Desmond. Mm. Oh, that's 177 home runs, 180 stolen bases. He only hit 263, but he's the only shortstop in the top 30 in baseball in that stretch. Uh, in uh, I believe that was RBI. He was uh, top like 40 in home runs, top 20 in stolen bases. It was a really bad decade for the shortstop position. Can I end uh, this? Can I, I end almost this? considered Ian Desmond. Let me end this right now. All right. I think I think this is going to convince Scott. I, I know it won't, but I think it should. <laughs> I just looked on on our Roto League on CBS. Remember, retired players are eliminated. So first, I'll make two statements. Statement number one: 2010 through 2014, the first half of the decade, Elvis Andrews is a top two shortstop every single year. Retired players are gone. So retired players are gone. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking at worst he was probably a top four or five shortstop every single year, mm-hmm. and higher than that in several of those years. But number one Adam, or number two for the first out, five years. You're leaving and, out a lot of really good players by taking out the retired players: Tulowitzki, Hanley Ramirez, Jimmy Rollins. Like, but but still, and, he's and, not, and but, shortstop sucked. Like being the fifth best shortstop every meant single year. You, at was least because fifth. somebody had to be at worst like, fifth it, though at, at worst he he was number one in like 2017 okay, or okay. 18 he may have technically 17. been number one because nobody else like everybody else got hurt or just uh, like well, nobody no deserved deal. to be number one it's not right, like he was that, actually good but that's what yeah he was good well, no he, he was, was good. Good. that shortstop was that bad no, he was, was good it's well, more that's what of we're a testament to the way shortstop was than the than how good than than, than the way elvis andrews that's was. fine but but he was the best one at least according to three of us okay all right, guys, we got to move on to outfield. Uh, agree to disagree. Scott will go with Tulo. The rest of us go with Elvis Andrus. Very surprised by that, actually, uh, that we all Damn. had Elvis Andrus outside of Scott. Uh, outfield, we should basically designate this for just two outfielders because the non-Mike Trout division, like mm-hmm. you start three outfielders in a head-to-head points league. Mike Trout's going to be one of them. His triple slash over this decade, 305, 419, 
581, 73.4 war, which is first among all hitters. The next closest is Buster Posey at 53. So it's just, it's not close, but I, I think we can have a little bit of discussion on who we fill out with those other two spots. Chris, why don't you get us started? So we want to go all three? Yeah, sure. Uh, Mike Trout, controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> best player in fantasy this decade, right? Not even close? I know he leads in OPS by a long shot. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't. He missed the first two years, right, of the decade. But obviously since then, he's been yeah the best player. Uh, I, it's right? close. I mean, he's got like a 172 weighted runs created plus, which is yeah. like far and away the best over the past decade. This this is actually not a stacked position. Like there, there are fewer outfielders than you think that have just dominated for the whole decade. It's It's kind of more like shortstop where you have to take like a six-year window where a guy was a standout. So, I mean, Trout... Even though he missed those first or yeah two years of the decade, he's still like he still kills it on the totals. Uh, so I'm going to go away from recency bias and go with two guys who haven't really been fantasy stars in the last couple of years, but who have actually still been very productive and were great early on in the, in the decade. You know, number one overall kind of players: Ryan Braun and Andrew McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. I had McCutcheon originally, me? but I bumped. I- <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. My number two outfield is Chris's favorite player who he doesn't have at all. How is that possible? Ooh. How is it possible Stanton? you don't have John Carlos Stanton <laughs> on your all decade team, Chris? Games. Uh, how is it possible? Because Ryan Braun and Andrew McCutcheon were better. Oh my gosh. I think how John- many how many years was John Carlos Stanton a number one overall pick contender? Any? So I think this is why Chris went with war and Scott went with OPS. And maybe is this like a Tulowitzki thing where it's a games played situation? I mean, for one thing, Giancarlo Stanton, he actually got the whole decade, right? His career began in 2010. Obviously, last year, I guess he he only got nine years because he hardly played last year. But um, well, so did Ryan Braun and Andrew McCutcheon. I think isn't isn't Giancarlo Stanton. He's top okay, three. Let me, let, me compare, let me compare these numbers with Braun again. So OPS plus 144 for Stanton versus 135 for Braun. Stanton mm-hmm. wins there, obviously. Um, let me look here. I'm, I'm only All right. seeing... I'll, I'll, I'll have to look at... Indi- I'll have to count up individual seasons. Yeah, but see, this is why I like to go through each season because I'm only seeing two seasons as a top five outfielder for, for Giancarlo Stanton. Like his okay, OPS sorry, plus... I was looking at Stanton's whole career, all right? I, I mean, I was looking at uh, Braun's whole career. So St- it's actually the OPS plus gap is bigger here. 144 for Stanton, 132 for Braun. Stanton, 308 home runs versus Braun's 241. Mm-hmm. I think Stanton actually has, like, is a top three home run hitter for the decade among yes. us, across all positions. Um, but who, who's your third uh, outfielder, Scott? Did Chris give his yet? Oh, it was, it was McCutcheon, like Chris had. Yeah. No. Uh, so who, the thing is, Ryan Braun is 14th among all players in home runs in the decade. So that's really good. Mm-hmm. It's not top three, but it's really good. He hit 294 in the decade. He stole 166 bases. I believe he had a 30-30 season uh, this decade. Ryan yeah. Braun has been pretty consistently at least a starting outfielder, including the last couple of years. Like he hasn't been great the last three years, but he's been worth starting. Mm-hmm. And so he was a contender for the number one pick for half a decade. Well, here's he the thing. He had two 30-30 seasons, Chris. He had a 40-30 season back in 2012. Yeah. So the first three seasons of Braun were like peak Braun this decade. But then 2013 was that year he had that weird injury and hardly played at all, hit nine home runs. And that's about the time the steroid stuff started. And so he had this little lull really for the last two thirds of the decade. Now, two of those years ended up still being really good, but there was a lot of, a lot of in and out of the lineup, a lot of up and down year to year in terms of production. True. OPS plus, if you're just looking at 130 or more, for the decade, Stanton had eight of the 10 years where he was 130 plus. Braun had six. But he, like, he, so, so Braun was a top probably three outfielder in 2010, 11, and 12. I mean, he was a truly elite player. 2014 and 15, as Scott mentioned, he wasn't that good. But 2000, 
no, 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 no. I, I messed it up. I messed it up. Hold on. 2010 to 2012, he was like elite. 2013 and 14, he wasn't that good. 2015 and 16, though, he bounced back, and I, he was a top 10 outfielder those two years. So, you know, I know he was in and out of the lineup. You can say all that, but if you just look at where he finished in fantasy, it seems to me going through the decade, he had a better better decade than Stanton. But like, but he didn't even make my the last five years of Braun, right? The last three years of Braun, basically, he's been a guy pretty fringy just in terms of rostering. Okay, 2016, he finished ahead of Stanton. 2017, he most certainly yeah, did not. Yeah, I so said that last three years, 2017, 2018, okay. 2019. So, so then you take the last three years, you compare that to the first three years of the decade where he was one of the best players in baseball, yeah. and that's how you, it's, yeah. that's why this is tough. I went with Betts, by I, the way. I, sure, I considered Braun. But, uh, like, honestly, when I was ranking outfielders for this, I, I ended up going with Trout, Stanton, and McCutcheon. I had J.D. Martinez ahead of Braun. I had Jose Bautista ahead of Braun. I had, my, I had Bryce Harper ahead of Braun. Uh, I also looked at Mookie Betts and Chris Bryant. They were pretty close. Yeah. I actually don't see any argument for Bryce Harper over Ryan Braun. Okay. Uh, so I'll tell you who I had. I had Trout, and then originally I had McCutcheon, but I bumped him for Mookie Betts, who's been number one twice. Now, it's only been four years of great production for Betts, but being number yeah. one twice just kind of... That's that's a philosophy thing. And then Charlie Blackman. Uh, last five years, he's been number seven, number six, number four, number one, number six, and number 12. It's actually the last six seasons. So that is top seven five years in a row and number 12 last year. Charlie Blackman, to me, gets in over McCutcheon. So I went Trout, Blackman, and Betts. Yeah, so I had Trout, McCutcheon. Uh, McCutcheon just had that, you know, he had a stretch where for three, four years he was – pretty consistently a first round pick or close to a first round pick. Um, yeah. And it was, it's been really fun because, you know, actually I started playing fantasy baseball back in 2009 when it was his, it, it was his debut. So I've kind of mirrored my fantasy career with Andrew McCutcheon's actual baseball playing career. So he's actually one of my favorite players. I have him on this list and I actually have Jose Batista. I know he's kind of like bounced around positions, like came up originally third base, played a little bit of first base, but I mean, he had a stretch there. I mean, where he was, one of the most consistent sources of power. And if you want to talk about him versus Stanton, which I think people will make the argument for, and I get it, Stanton 308 home runs throughout this decade and Jose Batista 285. I just think uh, in terms of the peak years, Stanton has only, he had the 59 home run season, but he's only had one season over 40 home runs. And that is the 59 home run season. Whereas Jose Batista, I believe had three 40 plus home run seasons. So uh, that's why I wound up taking him over John Carlos Stanton. But we've got to move on to pitchers as well. We, we need five starting pitchers and two relief pitchers, two closers. Uh, oh, well, we actually have the DH too, utility. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do it quick. Yeah, real quick. Who do you guys have uh, as your DH util? Start us off here, Chris, uh, Scott. Uh, Nelson Cruz. I was thinking in terms of DH only, just because there were two guys who were just deserved consideration for this team, Cruz and Ortiz. Obviously, and that was a very close call. Um, but I ended up going with Cruz just because the playing time was more consistent. Ortiz was pretty old for most of the decade and had frequent number of days off. Uh, even I, oh, sorry, if, go ahead. Even if I wasn't going utility only, I think Nelson Cruz would have been my pick. He's uh, first in home runs, second in RBI. He hit 281 in the decade. He was just an unbelievably good hitter. Uh, now the, the early years weren't quite as good, but he was consistently, uh, 20 to 30 homers, a decent amount of RBI. And, you know, then at the end, he was just, you know, one of the 10 or 15 best hitters in fantasy pretty much every year. Yeah. But if, but again, his fantasy value wasn't anything close to like my guy's Paul Goldschmidt because he was a DH. So obviously he went several rounds later. I didn't know who I would choose between Cruz and Ortiz. I guess I probably would have gone Cruz too, but I just went with a like kind of a fantasy lineup and I went with Paul Goldschmidt. He was the toughest call that I had to make going with Cabrera over Goldschmidt, so I went with him. Although I guess Ryan Braun certainly had a good case and so did McCutcheon. Um, I still can't believe I'm the only one who had Stanton. Like he was such an easy call. He was eighth in OPS for the decade versus Braun's 19th. Like that's that's another... I do Another want to point out, on Nelson Cruz, 
He was outfield eligible in seven of the ten seasons All right. this decade. But 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 I never felt like he went as high. No, as but Goldsmith. but that's because he was old. Isn't there something yeah. to be said for Nelson Cruz potentially being the most profitable player in fantasy I, throughout yeah. this decade? Like I think that's something yeah. we should factor in as well because six straight seasons now with thirty-seven or more home runs. With four of those 40-plus home runs, I just brought up the fact that Stanton only has one season with over 40 home runs in his career, and we consistently regard him as one of the best power hitters in baseball, whereas Nelson Cruz has 37-plus home runs in six straight and 40-plus in four of the past six. I feel like my own arguments against Stanton are being used against me now. I think that Stanton is your worst call. I, I think it's. I think it really. Well, is, after, it, after Trout, he was the second name I slotted in, just because you look at the totals and he's so high in all the totals for the decade. And I don't want to do this Cruz to you on your would birthday. Would have been a better pick for an outfielder than Giancarlo. Sam. I don't want to do this That's to you on your birthday. It's helped Scott. out by one big season, by the MVP year. I mean, it's the fifty-nine home runs. Okay, yeah. but why is that like OPS for the decade? Because that's not Giancarlo Stanton nine hundred five, Nelson Cruz eight eighty-eight. Like why? Why? I, why? I just, would you go I, Nelson Cruz over Stanton? Because, because, because he was a better OPS, fantasy player. Because OPS isn't a fantasy category. So Scott, think about okay, this. Okay, but it's, think about this. <laughs> if you had, if, if you started a dynasty team in two thousand ten. And you and one person picked Giancarlo Stanton and one person picked Nelson Cruz. Who would have had a better decade? Who would have gotten a better fantasy return? Cruz. Yeah, Cruz has been more consistent Why? too. Why? Like, he's been Cruz had Cruz's last six years have been great. Granted, but the first four were kind of. Right, but Stanton I mean, that, that was part four. of the that was part of the struggle between Cruz and Ortiz too. Is Ortiz had seven legitimately great seasons this decade, and Cruz just had six, but. Um, but Cruz had Cruz's how many legitimately prob- great fantasy seasons did Giancarlo Stanton have this decade? It's probably not more than six. I, I, just, like, I told you like the OPS plus. He had he had eight of the ten years. He had an OPS plus above one. But he didn't play right. enough. It's the Tulowitzki the argument. Thing. He kept getting hurt. That's why he didn't finish high enough. And to 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 Frank's point, injuries in the past impact production. I just don't wait past injuries as heavily for future production as her game people. production like stanton was getting drafted in the first round every year except for the year leading up to his mvp season and then obviously his two years years in new york he, he was always a first round and then he was probably one are, of the most disappointing players because he always got hurt remember these things you, <laughs> he you always need to get to remember the- no, that, that's fine. That's, but Nelson Cruz has probably been the most profitable player in fantasy this well, decade. Giancarlo Stanton and, and has way, probably been on my team, one of. What are we even talking about? Right, but Giancarlo Stanton has probably been one of the least profitable players right. in fantasy this decade. That's one of my favorite parts of this whole discussion is that Scott has Nelson Cruz <laughs> as his DH, and we're still arguing about Nelson Cruz versus Giancarlo Stanton. Never forget the fact that Nelson Cruz had 17 stolen bases back in 2010. Who would have thunk it? Uh, all right, so, yeah, 17 stolen bases I'm at right now with the Texas Rangers back in 2010. That might be more than Stanton has in the entire decade. But enough, Nelson Cruz, Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, we've got to get into pitchers. And I, honestly, we don't really have a lot of time to get into the pitchers here. But five starting pitchers, two closers slash relief pitchers uh, over the past decade. Adam, why don't you kind of reveal your, your fantasy uh, rotation yeah. and bullpen? Here. Chris said something before the show about how all of the five starting pitchers are like top 15 guys this year. I did not come away with the same list. I imagine we all have Verlander, Kershaw, and Scherzer. Yep, of course. Okay. I went with Bumgarner and Felix Hernandez. Mm. What? Wow. Am I, I feel See, like I, I'm missing someone. Over Chris I Sale? thought the top four was very easy. And then maybe we could argue about the fifth. I had Kershaw, Verlander, Scherzer, and Sale. Yeah. I guess I'd have yeah. to look into Sale. But... I mean, why is Sale better than Felix Hernandez? Felix Hernandez was kind of the Scherzer of the first half of the decade, wasn't he? Well, Sale's had basically the whole decade. Maybe eight of the ten years. If you were leaving out last year because it wasn't so great, but I mean, he still obviously had a ton of strikeouts last year. Felix Hernandez, um, yeah, he was basically done being a high-end pitcher in 2015. Well, but okay, 2010, 2011, not really enough of Chris Sale. Combined, 94 innings. Uh, 2012, yeah, all right. I mean, I think before he went to the Red Sox, he was never that great. Uh, he didn't finish. He didn't finish as high as you would think 
because maybe he didn't win enough games, his ERA was a little bit higher, something like that. Uh, his fantasy oh, production. Because Felix Hernandez was, of course, not famously winning a Cy Young award with a low win total, thirteen and twelve. No, I'm that just saying. If, I, I'm saying like sales talent didn't quite match the fantasy production until he got to the Red Sox, or his fantasy production didn't match the talent. I guess I would say. All right, so three forty ERA for Hernandez versus three hundred three for Sale. Whip one seventeen for Hernandez versus one hundred four. No, but like for I'm not doing the whole decade because I don't care about 2018 and 19. He was one of the worst pitchers in baseball. That's obviously going to drag well, it I'm down. Doing, I'm giving you the numbers for the decade here. Yeah, but that, that's just not the right way to it's go about big this. Diff, it's a 306 big difference. ERA in the like first if it, eight. If it was close, maybe you could say, okay, Hernandez won a but, Cy Young award, Felix, won a couple ERA titles. Felix, okay, fine. So close. if I take the first eight years of the decade, Felix has a 306 ERA and a 1.14 whip. What is Sale? Mm-hmm. And what's uh, That's sale? about what Sale is for the whole decade. Yeah, so, I, you know, look. You want to use the last two years as a tiebreaker? He's at the end of his career. I don't really care about that. I care about how do- how dominant he All was. Right. But I have no problem. Right. I have not, no problem. You're not weighing the bad years. But there's a huge strikeout discrepancy. It's worth pointing out too. But uh, we're also like Chris Sale's been a lot better than Madison Bumgarner. Too. All right, fine. I'll 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 put Sale on. I'll take Bumgarner out. This was the I ran out of time. <laughs> with I, the think you, I think you reward Chris Sale for just how good he is on a per inning per start basis. Eleven point one Ks per nine. That's actually tied for second all time. Sales in. He's the highest, highest, the highest strikeout to walk ratio of all time. One of the best whips of all time. Chris Sale is an incredible. He was, I think the, what is it? The fifth lowest, fourth lowest ERA of the decade, and the second lowest whip of the decade. You got Sale. I'm not taking Felix off. I don't care what you say. He's my fifth starter. All right. I did not even consider Felix. So that's. That shows the difference there. I, I went with Zach Granke, though. Steven Strasburg was close. Uh, I also gave some thought to DeGrom, Kluber, Lester, Hamels, and David Price. David Price was actually probably leading for a while, and I, I, I opted for Granke over him. I have the same five as Scott. The only... I, I considered Hamels. I considered Price. I considered DeGrom. You know, if you talk about, you know, upside... He's had two of the best pitching seasons of the decade, but ultimately, Granky and Sale have both had the upside. They've also been really good for basically the entire decade, whereas Hamels has never really been like a truly stone cold elite guy. He's never been in that conversation that Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander and, and Garrett Cole are in right now. Whereas, you know, Granky definitely was. Sale definitely was. Sale would have been in that discussion, you know, at this time last year if he hadn't, you know, had that weird spring training thing. So ultimately for me, it's just that five kind of stands out from the pack. Chris, did someone say stone cold? (laughs) 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 No, I do think that Scott's is basically spot on here. I think that those are like the top five in war over the past decade. And they were, they've been so consistent. Zach Greinke to me, again, much like Nelson Cruz, where he's just one of the most profitable pitchers for fantasy baseball and, and continues to be to this day. I mean, last year he was a top five starting pitcher in both Roto and in head to head points. And he's being drafted as what the 20th starting pitcher off the board right now. So I think Granke's in that mix. I did give some serious consideration to David Price and Madison Bumgarner as well. But I wound up with the same top five as both Scott and Chris. Uh, the closers, we mentioned this at the top. It, it was really three names, I think, for most people that were kind of in that mix. It was Aroldis Chapman, Craig Kimbrell, and Kenley Jansen. I went with Jansen and Aroldis Chapman. Did anyone else consider Homer? Closer? Homer. No, those <laughs> I did not consider anyone else. I, I thought Kimbrell was the easy number one, though. Yep. I went with Jansen barely over Chapman as my number two. Jansen was actually kind of an easy call for me over Chapman. Uh, I thought Jansen was big number save one. difference, actually, like 30. Yeah, so. about 30 different 30 difference in saves. Chapman always had a sort of high ish ER or whip for an, an elite closer, whereas Jansen has the lowest whip uh, of any closer with at least 150 saves this decade. So I I, I actually went with him pretty easily. Uh, yeah, I, I went you have with, anything uh, different there. No, I left Chapman off. I also think you guys are are like what Chris said about 
Madison Bumgarner, just sort of dismissing him is ridiculous. I think he should be back on the list. Uh, Look, if you want to make your list worse, add Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> I am looking at like, Sale. holy cow, 2000. He probably had like six straight years as a top 10 pitcher. Yeah, this goes back to the Elvis Andrews discussion. I mean, it's just consistency and longevity versus, you know, Chris Sale on a per start per inning basis being, I think, that much better than Bumgarner. But if you just want to talk about consistency and longevity, I think Bumgarner is in that conversation, Adam. Yeah. But I mean, eight point seven Ks per nine versus eleven for Who Chris Sale. That that does Chris not had- matter. It's where they finished in fantasy. Chris Sale had twelve saves in the decade. Madison Bumgarner had zero. <laughs> Get out of here. Where they finished in fantasy, guys. That's you. You know what? I'm sorry that it took me an hour to realize it, but everyone went about this assignment wrong except for me. Sorry, sorry, listeners. <laughs> well, you pointed out we didn't have the right data to do. I know here, right? that was tough. That was tough. Yeah. But for to comparing Sale and Bumgarner, you do have them as they're both in the in the system. Okay. All right. So let's wrap things up here with a team name Tuesday. My debut to team name Tuesday. My inaugural team name Tuesday here. This one comes from Stephen Lip, and it actually might be Chris Towers because he says, hey, Frank, Adam, Scott, and Chris, in parentheses, the obvious star of the pod. So, oh. all right, Chris, I mean, you got your burner account, Stephen Lip emailing us in here. Uh, he says, can I borrow a feeling? I'm sure Adam gets this reference as that this is one of the cultural touchstones he doesn't have a terrible opinion in. Can I bar- of course I get it. Does Scott get the reference? That's uh, that's uh, from The Simpsons. Can no I borrow a feeling? <laughs> Will you lend me a jar of love? Something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, that's I, right. Uh, You're right on. Kirk Van Houten. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Steven. That hurt my uh, He reached out to me personally. Uh, my dog passed away two weeks ago. He reached out to me personally, sent a really lovely note. I uh, just want to say thanks to Steven. That was really nice of him. Oh, that's yeah, nice. that's awesome. We appreciate it, Stephen. And sorry about your dog, Chris. Um, I know that was you know something that you were going through there. So uh, sorry for that. Uh, but on a more uplifting note, we'll move on to some other team names. And these came from Max Swedberg. He has Zach Gallen Fanakis. Ooh, that's like ten <laughs> years old or like <laughs> a year old. Uh, Robert Lewis Luis Stevenson, uh, reference to the author and Sox player, but bonus, Stevenson Expressway runs near Sox Park. That's not bad. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. Can I have a air number? That's good. Yeah, that's I not like bad. That. Not all who wander are Franco. Yeah, I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not bad. That's the Lord of the Ring reference. Like I like it. No, I, I actually just finished my Lord of the Rings rewatch this weekend. So I'm I'm here with you. Uh you know, I like it. Uh so n- not only did I not get the the Simpsons reference, I had to Google that before the show and figure it out. I've never watched a single Lord of the Ring Rings movie. So mm. I've I've really got to step things up. I Man, mean this is what, it's they're, this is what they're figuring out here. They have aged incredibly well for like big budget blockbusters made in the early 2000s. Like you look at the the Star Wars prequels and it's like, oh, this looks like it was made with crayons. The Lord of the Rings movies have aged unbelievably well. I highly recommend it. Take my hand with your glove of love. <laughs> this next one Adam? comes. Uh, yeah. These, yeah, they are. These next two come from Joe in Jersey City. Dear Thomas White Castle and Robinson. Those are all Franks. So thank you for the uh, hey, welcome cool. here, Joe. Frank Thomas, Frank White, the Punisher. Frank, uh, Frank White. Frank White uh, is Biggie Smalls. Frank Castle is the Punisher. And of course, Frank Robinson. He has uh, Maximo Acosta Nostra. That, Anybody? Nope. Not a clue. I don't, I don't get that one. So when I Google it, La Cosa Nostra Urban, Urban Dictionary is this thing is, is of ours or our thing, uh, depending on who's translating, is... This Italian. is, te- it's this a is terrible. For the Italian Frank, mafia. this is terrible. Stop giving the, this does not deserve the explanation. This is a terrible <laughs> team name. No team name rule number one. You have to it ha- people have to get it. If you need it to go to the urban dictionary, who's gonna do analyst, that? Analyst Adam is, is angry. Kind kind of rude. Freed up. Freed up to be myself finally you after know, ten someone, years of shackles. Someone sent used their hard-earned money to send him. <laughs> uh, Chef Boy RD, and he doesn't even say thank you. I, I don't know what's going on with Analyst Adam. It was but, an uh, April Fool's joke that Chef Boy RD was that bad. Did it? 
Did it come? Yes. Did you try it already? Yesterday on the show. Yeah, you tried it you on the tried pod. It? Oh, I missed <laughs> that one. Oh, it is dude. worth going back and listening to Scott because he hated it. He's such a I'm, baby about it. I was. I'm, I'm sure. It was legit. Yeah, I mean, though. it's it's not good. That's not. I I eat it kind of ironically at times. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, this last one from Joe in Jersey City. Uh, Marwin and the Martian. Marwin Gonzalez. Okay. And, uh, the Martian, Jason nice. Dominguez. From Pete, hey, Sanka, Yule, Jr., and Darius. Talula. What's that? That's the first name they come up with before they laugh it off, and then they settle on Cool Runnins. Oh, right. <laughs> wow. Really? You guys, you guys didn't know Sanka, Yule, Jr., and Darius? <laughs> I didn't. I, I, the last time I watched that movie, I was probably 10 years old. And I remember enjoying it. Oh, it's great. It's a great movie. It was what now that you say it, it sounds right. But I I wasn't registering in the moment. Interesting. Our last team name for the day clean up when you're done. I like that. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Nothing from Scott, nothing from Chris. So I'm I who is it a whose name is it? Jordan Alvarez. Clean up when you're done. Oh, you're done. Okay. All right. All right. See, I think of it as Jordan. Still, so you know, I gotta, I gotta recalibrate. Adam, Adam broke me. Now <laughs> I need to fix, fix it, fix my brain. All right, my inaugural team name Tuesday. I'm gonna go with Devers Ending Story. That's a nod to Stranger Things Never Ending Story, one of my favorite shows from the oh, past decade. What? Uh, what? Wait, what? What? What about Devers the movie ending Never story? Ending Story? Well, yeah, the never-ending story of the movie, but also the song. Well, you see, that's where that's where my millennial brain goes to. Oh, oh you are so oh, the song they sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The song wow. they sing, which is from the never-ending story, instead of actually going to the movie. Wow. Never. Ending story. <laughs> okay. Chris right. is judging me hard right now. Because <laughs> Chris has been a representative millennial for so long. This is he's he's. Man, I'm showing he's gonna, my age. He's going to have to engage the old man. Inside of him. Oh boy. <laughs> Get angry, Chris. Get off I don't my have lawn. A, no, I just don't have any words. You're old now. You're the old you're, we're all old. Frank's making I am, us, I am bald old now. You Thank guys you. are the oldies. For Stone Cold, Chris Towers, Adam Azer, Scott Towers, and myself, yep, Frank Scott, Sample. You just called him Scott Towers on his birthday, Frank. Scott Towers. <laughs> Happy birthday, Scott Towers, Scott White. I am Frank Sample. Thank you everybody for listening. We will see you again tomorrow.